In these last days, the Bible predicts a turning away from biblical truth. In order to combat false teachings that are running rampant and a growing lack of biblical literacy, Behold Israel provides weekly public readings of Scripture to equip you with the pure Word of God, read in an international community with interaction and application. Each week, we host different guests from all walks of life. Our original readings can be found on our Behold Israel community channel on YouTube or on our Facebook channel. These are audio versions created to make it convenient for your busy schedule. Now, on to our readings. Hello and welcome to another public reading of Scripture here on this Thursday evening in the West Coast United States. It's uh, actually Friday for some of our viewers, possibly. Um, well, welcome again. Uh, again, this is public reading of Scripture. We do this weekly as the Behold Israel Ministry. My name is Jason Comins, and I'm our administrative assistant. I'm stepping in for Pastor Mike Golay this evening. Uh, as he has arrived to Europe and participated in awaiting his return Belgium with Amir today, they made their way to Amsterdam, and on Friday evening in Amsterdam, they're going to kick off Revealing Revelation, which this is the second uh, installment of this conference. We did a few of them in the Philippines, a couple of them in the Philippines early this year, and for the first time ever, beginning tomorrow night, the final book of the Bible is going to be taught through over the course of two days uh, between Amir and Mike. So something to continue to pray for uh, if you would join us in that over the course of the next two days. Uh, but before we continue into our reading, uh, let me introduce uh, our director of finance. His name is H.T. Novak. H.T., welcome. Good evening. Glad to have you with me. Uh, thank you for joining me. And H.T., uh, again, I, I mentioned that he's our director of finance. He, like I said, I, or like I like to say with Behold Israel, basically, each person represents a department of Behold Israel. And so anything financial, uh, financially related uh, and more, uh, HT oversees for the ministry. And he's also one of our founding board members, and he'll be reading uh, with me this evening. And so HT, as we, before we go into our time of reading Hosea, and Mark, would you mind opening us in prayer? You bet. Father, we just thank you for this evening. We thank you for the opportunity to be together online with all of these folks and uh, be able to just read your holy word. Father, we pray that you'll um, keep the bugs out of the system tonight and we will not have any issues as we, you know, utilize the airways. And so... Father, we just ask you to bless this reading of your word. Pray that it might touch the hearts of somebody this evening or that one of us that is participating this evening will be able to touch someone in the coming days. We just thank you for all that you give us and all that you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, friends, I'm, we're going to continue in the books of Hosea and Mark this evening. Uh, now, Hosea... Uh, as HT, after I read 13, HT will actually close out this prophet uh, by reading chapter 14. And then we will continue in the book of Mark uh, after. But I'll give you a, a couple moments here just to turn over to Hosea 13. Uh, personally, I'll, and I'll be reading out of the New King James Version uh, just for sake of consistency week by week what we try to do. Um, follow along in whatever Bible you have, or just simply listen. Uh, but as we go through this, 
be thinking of, of what sticks out to you, what strikes you. Uh, we're going to continue with the unfortunate focus on Ephraim. Hosea 13. When Ephraim spoke, trembling, he exalted himself in Israel, but when he offended through Baal worship, he died. Now they sin more and more and have made for themselves molded images, idols of their silver according to their skill. All of it is the work of craftsmen. They say of them, let the men who sacrifice kiss the calves. Therefore, they shall be like the morning cloud and like the early dew that passes away, like chaff blown off from a threshing floor and like smoke from a chimney. Yet I am the Lord your God ever since the land of Egypt, and you shall know no God but me, for there is no Savior besides me. I knew you in the wilderness, in the land of great drought. When they had pasture, they were filled. They were filled, and their, and their heart was exalted. Therefore, they forgot me. So I will be to them like a lion, like a leopard by the road I will lurk. I will meet them like a bear deprived of her cubs. I will tear open their ribcage, and there I will devour them like a lion. The wild beast shall tear them. O Israel, you are destroyed, but your help is from me. I will be your king. Where is any other that he may save you in all your cities? And your judges to whom you said, give me a king and princes. I gave you a king in my anger and took him away in my wrath. The iniquity of Ephraim is bound up. His sin is stored up. The sorrows of a woman in childbirth shall come upon him. He is an unwise son, for he should not stay long where children are born. I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be your plagues. O grave, I will be your destruction. Pity is hidden from my eyes. Though he is fruitful among his brethren, an east wind shall come. The wind of the Lord shall come up from the wilderness. Then his spring shall become dry and his fountain shall be dried up. He shall plunder the treasury of every desirable prize. Samaria is held guilty for she has rebelled against her God. They shall fall by the sword. Their infants shall be dashed in pieces and their women with child ripped open. This is no allegory. And throughout Israel's history, when they were oppressed by their neighbors, this, what you just heard in the last verse, was a common practice in that region of the world, what people would do to their enemies. And it's not the only place in scripture we see a reference like this. HT, please continue in chapter 14. You got it. Oh, Israel, Return to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity. Receive us graciously, for we will offer the sacrifices of our lips. Assyria shall not save us. We will not ride on horses, nor will we say any more to the work of our hands. You are our gods. For in you, the fatherless finds mercy. I will heal your backsliding. I will love them freely. For my anger has turned away from me. I will be like the dew to Israel. He shall grow like the lily and lengthen his roots like Lebanon. His branches shall spread. 
His beauty shall be like an olive tree and his fragrance like Lebanon. Those who dwell under this shadow shall return. They shall be revived like grain and grow like a vine. Their scent shall be like the wine of Lebanon. Ephraim shall say, what have I to do any more with idols? I have heard and observed him. I am like a green cypress tree. Your fruit is found in me. Who is wise? Let him understand these things. Who is prudent? Let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but transgressors stumble in them. <laughs> you know, this Jason, it struck me at reading this one that first three verses, it, you may not really realize or pick up quickly that that's God. That's God talking to the Israelites at that point and saying, you know, here's all that you've done. Here's how you've stumbled. Here's how you've ignored me. Here's how you've gone against me. And then in verses four through the end of the chapter, he's really saying to them, it, it, he's, he's showing how much he loves them and how much he cares for all of us. And all we have to do is have a little faith and do as he asks and come back to him. Mm -hmm. And here's all the good things he will do for us. Great yeah. message for us today, I think too. Well, I just love the, the con exactly the, the character of God is unchanging. And I love the continuity of not just the scriptures as a whole, but from prophet to prophet. I mean, they understand at least not fully, but the prophets agree and understand without talking to each other because they lived in different time frames for the most part, or at least some of them. For example, Ezekiel and Hosea. Uh, Ezekiel would write that God's heart in referring to Israel that he takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their evil ways and live, O house of Israel. That's what he says to Ezekiel. And here he's saying, come back to me. I can heal you. He's yeah. putting that on display through here. And you look at the horrific things they're doing, and God is still extending the grace and saying, repent. Judgment is coming. Repent, because I will heal you. Yep. And now we'll shift over to the New Testament. And it's, again, amazing oftentimes when you're reading like this, old and new, how there's really interesting parallels. Because here we are reading about Israel's backsliding in history. And now this first chapter that we're going to take a look at uh, in Mark this evening, which, by the way, is Mark chapter 13. That's Mark 13. Jesus is talking to the disciples about the immediate and distant future of the nation of Israel, all because of its unbelief. So we get over to Mark chapter 13 and 14. And I will pick up in chapter 13. Then as he, Jesus, went out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here? And Jesus said to him, and Jesus answered and said to him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, 
Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately because of what he said about the temple. Tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign when all these things will be fulfilled? There's a few questions there. And Jesus answered them. And Jesus answering them began to say, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am he and will deceive many. But when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be troubled for such things must happen. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be earthquakes in various places and there will be famines and troubles. These are the beginnings, the beginning, beginnings of sorrows. But watch out for yourselves, for they will deliver you up to councils, and you will be beaten in the synagogues. You will be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all the nations. But when they arrest you and deliver you up, do not worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak. But whatever is given you in that hour, speak that, for it is not you who speak but the Holy Spirit. Now brother will betray brother to death and a father his child and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing where it ought not, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down into the house, nor enter to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days, and pray that your flight may not be in winter. For in those days there will be tribulation, such has not been since the beginning of the creation, which God created until this time, nor shall ever be. And unless the Lord had shortened those days, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, whom he chose, he shortened those days. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, he is there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. But take heed, see, I have told you all things beforehand. But in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars of heaven will fall and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send his angels and gather together his elect from the four winds, from the farthest part of earth to the farthest part of heaven. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that it is near, at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Take heed, watch, and pray, for you do not know when the time is. 
It is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to keep to watch. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming. In the evening, at midnight, at the crowning of the roost, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And watch, I say to you, I say to all, watch. I mean, there's basically endless things you could commentate on on a on a on this chapter and what we're about to read, but ultimately, it speaks for itself. And I think ultimately, what we're seeing here is. Jesus is talking to a Jewish audience, his closest disciples, talking them to about the about the immediate and distant future of the nation of Israel and the impact that's going to take place. And the prophecy that he's giving them lines up with the prophets about that nation. So I'll let HT continue in chapter 14. Okay. After two days, it was the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by trickery and put him to death, that being Jesus. But they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar of the people. So it's Passover time, and they didn't want to have a big mess on their hands at that time. And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spikenard. Then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. And there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. But Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, and whenever you wish, you may do them good. But me, you do not have always. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as memorial to her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. So he sought how he might conveniently betray him. Now on the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Where do you want us to go and prepare that you may eat the Passover? And he sent out two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man will meet you and carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. Wherever he goes in, say to the master of the house. The teacher says, where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large upper room, furnished and prepared. There make ready for us. So his disciples went out and came into the city and found it just as he had said to them, and they prepared the Passover. In the evening he came with the twelve. Now, as they sat and ate, Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you who eats with me will betray me. And they began to be sorrowful and to say to him one by one, Is it I? And another said, Is it I? He answered and said to them, 
It is one of the twelve who dips with me in the dish. The Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had never been born. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them and said, Take, eat, this is my body. When he took the cup, then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. Assuredly, I say to you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even if all are made to stumble, yet I will not be. Then Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that today, even this night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he spoke, spoke more vehemently. If I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said likewise. Then they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. He went a little farther and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, what I will, not what I will, but what you will. Then he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away and prayed and spoke the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. Then he came to them a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And immediately, while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now his betrayer had given them a signal, saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one. Seize him and lead him away safely. As soon as he had come, immediately he went up to him and said to him, Rabbi, Rabbi, and kissed him. Then they laid their hands on him and took him. And one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to take me? I was daily with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. 
Then they all forsook him and fled. So all those disciples who said, oh, we won't leave you. What did they do? They took off. Now, a certain young man followed him, having a linen cloth thrown around his naked body. And the young man laid hold of him. And he left the linen cloth and fled from, the, fled from them naked. And they led Jesus away to the high priest. And with him were assembled all the chief priests, the elders, and the scribes. But Peter followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. Now the chief priests and all the council sought testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. For many bore false witness against him, but their testimonies did not agree. Then some rose up and bore false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with hands, and within three days I will build another made without hands. But not even then did their testimony agree. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, saying, Do you answer nothing? What is it these men testify against you? But he kept silent and answered nothing. Again the high priest asked him, saying to him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? Jesus said, I am, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, What further need do we have of witnesses? You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And they all condemned him to be deserving of death. Then some began to spit on him and to blindfold him and to beat him and to say to him, Prophesy! And the officers struck him with palms of their hands. Now as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, you also were with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you are saying. And he went out on the porch, and a rooster crowed. I got to stop there for a second and tell you, 1999, the first time that I went to Israel, we're walking on the top of the wall, and just as we came to Caiaphas's house, a rooster crowed. That was the craziest feeling I think I've ever had. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> and the servant girl saw him again and began to say to those who stood by, this is one of them. But he denied it again. And a little later, those who stood by said to Peter again, surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean and your speech shows it. Then he began to curse and swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. A second time, the rooster crowed. Then Peter called to mind the word that Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And when he thought about it, he wept. Hmm. Yeah, boy, there there is a lot packed into this chapter. And we could, like Jason said about the previous chapter, we could dive into a lot of things. But one thing that always strikes me when I read this passage is the passage, you know, the part in verses 22 to uh, 25, which is a communion passage or, you know, what it's called by so many different names. Some people say Passover, some say communion, some say Lord's Supper, some call it the Eucharist. 
it doesn't matter what you call it this is a time to celebrate and it's it it's a time where we can see the importance of celebrating communion together and believers can then experience the presence of christ just by celebrating together and that celebration of communion does i think several things it humbles us before god it reminds us that we are forgiven it expresses our oneness in christ and it encourages us to recommit ourselves to him yeah that that's what sticks out to me about communion is i think that's why it's so key to practice it with other believers too and with the body uh I regularly means something different to everyone, but what I'm getting at is it actually is, it's not just, it should be done because it was done. It was actually commanded to be done. And also it's for our benefit. It does to me, like if I were to filter it all down to two things, here's what it does for you, for you pastors listening, even here's what communion does for your congregation. First of all, it it forces you to examine yourself. So communion brings about a heart of repentance within your congregation. It causes them to examine themselves, to confess and repent and move forward in their spiritual walk. But it also causes your congregation to remember not just what Jesus has done for them and confess. It also causes them to look forward to what he's going to do, the fact that he's coming back. So you actually, you bring a spiritual restoration to your congregation, a refreshment between them and the Lord, but you also spur them on to holy living, anticipating his coming. And that's the key of what the observance of communion does. And a big part of why Jesus had his disciples doing it and to continue that practice after he ascended to be with the Father. And yeah, I mean, you quite literally had so much in here. I think you had double the amount of verses I had to read in uh, Mark chapter 13. But uh, ultimately, too, what I, it's amazing in, in that one chapter how many prophecies are fulfilled. The prophets of speaking of not only his betrayal, how the betrayal would be done, uh, his, uh, looking at uh, his arrest, how you, you strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered, just uh, knowing that, and then in the Jewish mindset, they would have, they ought to have known the full counsel of the Old Testament of the scriptures of going, wow, everything these prophets said that we know, it's just coming alive right before us. Yep. And his death and his resurrection mm -hmm. and the fact that after the resurrection, you will see me again so that you can confirm to the world that I indeed have risen. Mm -hmm. so. Yes, absolutely. And uh, that's a, that's a packed chapter. <laughs> it is. It's uh Matthew's account is somewhat more consolidated. Mark's is very drawn out in this particular portion. Uh, yeah. But we'd love to hear from you in the comments too, of what stuck out to you and, um, take a look at a few of them here. I know that uh, one thing I saw for sure was just 
Yeah, from uh, Luis, my heart breaks reading the testimony of our Savior's suffering. My guilt is overwhelming. I'm responsible for his passion. Jesus, I am so sorry. But the greatest news of it, that is the gospel, that what he did takes away that. It overrides that guilt. He overrides that guilt. Uh, Becky says, fulfilling the law. Absolutely. He didn't come to do away with the law through this work we're reading about. He came to fulfill it because you and I can't. God provided a perfect provision of someone who could fulfill the law. Hmm. Maria says agape love. And, and that is so cool because the way this chapter ends in closing, just something to, to think about. As we continue next week reading through Mark, the Peter we're reading about here is Peter spent, you know, a few years with Jesus in his earthly ministry. And this Peter we're reading about, you're reading about, you're seeing transparently the struggles of Peter and put yourself in his shoes. This would have been a very, you know, what's supposed to happen, but a very challenging circumstance. But what's so cool is we're going to see a totally different Peter that's ready for what the Lord called them to when the time of the book of the Acts comes. You have a Peter who's learning now and a Peter who's ready for the commission come the book of Acts because the story's not over for Peter with what we just finished with um, here. Well, uh, HT, do you want to uh, close our time in prayer and then I'll just give a few announcements? Sure. Okay. Father, again, we just thank you for... We thank you for your word, the fact that we have your word, that we can read the things that we have read tonight. We can take them to heart. We can study them. We can tell other people about them. We can let other people know the truth of your word. And Father, it's it's because you have made this all possible that we're able to do what we've done this evening and share with people all over the world your word. So, Father, we thank you for your holy word. We thank that you have preserved that word for us for all this time and will continue to go to do so. Father, I just ask that you go with each of us for the rest of this week and into next week. Watch over us. Take care of us. Help us to be your light in this crazy, crazy world. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Well, let me. Uh... Go ahead and pull down this graphic really quick. And HG, uh, we'll say farewell. You got it. Thank you so much you, for joining me this evening. You bet. Thank you and everyone else. Uh, just to, again, I wanted to remind you that Amir and Mike begin revealing Revelation in Amsterdam tomorrow. And uh, me personally, uh, I'm very excited for it. But I think I just want to briefly and concisely let you know what's at stake here. Europe is a very spiritually dark place. And to any Europeans who are listening to this right now or see it later, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but there's spiritual darkness everywhere. But there's, there's something different about Europe. And this is a huge opportunity for the final book of the Bible that is the only book of the Bible that provides hope, to, that promises a blessing to those who read it. Uh, not the only book that provides hope, but a blessing to those who read it. This is a key opportunity, and it's so much bigger than Behold Israel. We're talking about 
what souls are going to be exposed to. Uh, so if you would, um, I'm just going to raise my hands and ask, lift this up to God and just ask for his blessing over the entire event uh, in closing over Amir and Mike. So, Lord, we we commit this Revealing Revelation conference to you that's going to take place in the next over the course of the next 48 hours. These five teachings could be monumental in that region of the world and could hit so many people in a positive spiritual way uh, for your kingdom, God. Lord, we pray that through this conference, that people there and the impact that it has would cause many souls in the Netherlands and the surrounding area to be transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of your glorious grace. For once, we were, we were once in your kingdom of darkness, but God, we live in, your, in the kingdom of your glorious grace this day, and we want that for everyone else. May you give Amir and Mike a heart of love, a spirit of... Of, of clarity and help them to know how to be concise yet effective in the things they need to communicate. We ask for your special blessing on them throughout this event in Jesus name. Amen. Well, everyone, thank you once again um, for joining us uh, this evening. Uh, it's blessed to read with you, uh, to read to you uh, and be able to learn from the word ourselves. So shalom uh, and God bless. To, shalom to those of you who see this later uh, and God bless and we'll pick up next week.